Okay, good morning. Welcome to a Friday edition of Driving Theology. My name is Mike, and uh, today we're going to talk about joy. Uh, Friday edition, because uh, I am going to a little concert. Actually, I'll be, I guess I'll be performing in the concert uh, with some of the kids from the kindergarten that I teach at, uh, where I usually go on uh, Friday when I'm recording this. And uh, I'm, I've only got one more class, and I really wanted to finish up the uh, um, Advent themes. And so today I thought I would do Joy. And then we'll follow this up with peace. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so uh, what's going on with you guys uh, in the world, in world news, especially U.S. news and Japan news? Uh, cases of COVID-19 are uh, certainly uh, still on the rise, unfortunately. I think we've had our highest levels ever here in Japan, uh, and yet we haven't really um, closed down. We have a new prime minister um, the last couple of months, so seeing how he's going to uh, react with all of this will be interesting. Let me change the angle of the mic a little bit. That might be a little better. Actually, it may be worse. Try this right here. This might be the best way, actually. Uh, Yeah, so, man, everybody's trying to figure out what to do. Do we we close down again? Do we remain open? Do we uh, take the vaccines now? Do we wait and see how the tests come out? There's still a lot of chaos in the world today. Um, and some people don't do well with chaos (laughs) a lot of people don't do well with chaos I guess Uh, but it seems like some people are uh, some of us are intimately acquainted with chaos and and, uh, regularly make our camp there I myself I'm trying to break some of my addiction with chaos um trying to put a little bit more order into my life. If you know me, you know that's not a small task. Uh, But I have, knock on wood, made my bed every morning for, uh, I say that I'm probably close to three months now. Every morning for the last three months, except one day, and the one day I went back, I remembered I had forgotten it. My wife had done it for me. Uh, And I have uh, put my clothes away every single day. Um, I don't leave my clothes laying around anymore. Kept my side of the room clean. At least clutter-free. Until last night. That's a different story, but... (laughs) Last night, well... 
Uh, all right, so just a few things going on with my family, then I'll get right into joy, and uh, I think you'll be glad of this because I'm not sure how far I can take the theme of joy after uh, already setting it up with um, hope and love. Um, but anyway, little joy is coming into our life tomorrow. We're getting a new puppy. Uh, he is a rescue of a rescue, I guess is the best way to put that. Uh, uh, a Sheltie, uh, uh, Mama Sheltie was rescued, who was pregnant at the time, and gave birth to, I think, five puppies. Uh, they are half Sheltie and half nobody knows. <clears throat> and uh, we've decided to, to uh, try our luck with one of these little guys. So we're going to have two little doggy boys running around running around our house and we'll see what that's going to be like um, but because of that I had to take down my train set so last year I've been wanting a train for the Christmas tree for the longest time and I didn't grow up with a train set and I've always wanted one I've always admired people who had them and admired or been jealous of I suppose is another way to put that I finally decided well shoot I'm going to get myself a little train set so I got a little train set that circles around the Christmas tree and I uh, put that up last year and, and some of the kids that, that gather with us had fun with that so this year I kind of expanded it not kind of I guess I probably quadrupled almost quadrupled the amount of track and the complexity of the track uh, we've got a, a bridge uh, and uh, some piers that makes the track rise up to the bridge and down and I got a little uh uh, railroad crossing so when the train goes on the little bars come down and then when the train goes past the bars go up and the road you know the cars can go across the, the tracks um, <laughs> I went a little crazy on it this year um, but I invited some kids over to play with it and uh, had fun anyway with the dog coming uh, being a puppy my wife just thought, you know, it's kind of a bad time to have that thing down here. So I moved it to my bedroom. So I've got a train set up right next to my bed. Uh, it's actually kind of a fun place to have it. I can lay in my bed and control the train. So yeah, I'm a big kid. So sue me. Um, let me turn down this incessant whistling. Yeah, so that that's happening. And uh, another thing is I've got a couple of construction projects going on. Uh, Cam and I just finished rebuilding my stairs to make them more safe for my father-in-law who has to, to climb them and, and uh, when, when he goes to his uh, daycare, um, elderly daycare, I guess the best way to put that. I don't know how, what you say in English, but that's what they call it in Japanese, anyway. Uh, so we got that done this week. Uh, took longer than we thought, of course. I guess we put in how many days? I guess three days, three, two and a half days. Yesterday was a short day. Uh, and then the uh, the dining room table that I <clears throat> built six years ago. So just just before I started this podcast. Uh, Koichi and I, um, good friend of mine, we, uh, he helped me uh, cut this table down. So I got a couple pieces of Japanese elm. This is 
which is called Keiaki, Keiaki in, in uh, Japanese. And two, two big pieces from the same tree, uh, from the same spot in the tree. Two big, uh, I guess they're three, they were three and a half inches, three, maybe four, yeah, four inches wide. Um, can't remember exactly how long they were because I cut off the ends, but they were over two meters long. Uh, and each one of them was probably around 50 centimeters wide. Uh, but they had a, um, I guess both, now that I think about it, both sides were natural. They were slabs cut from one log. Um, and both sides were the natural tree, right? Both sides of the slab. The ends were, of course, cut, but the, the sides were... You know, had kind of uh, bark or whatever you want to call it on there, uh, and so <clears throat> had these two huge slabs, and each slab probably at that point weighed about 200 kilos, which is about uh, gosh, a lot of pounds, uh, 400 pounds, something like that. They're heavy. They are heavy. Well, I cut them down a bit and then formed them into one table. Uh, cut a couple basically two by fours from the same wood and then use those to cap them on each end of the table uh, And it has a uh, the natural part of the table because I I just didn't have the precise tools to make such a, a clean cut Or the know-how uh, Those kind of go hand in hand uh, I didn't cut it clean enough so what I ended up doing is putting it together where the natural edge of, I cut off one of the natural edges on the side. So if you've got the table laying flat, the edges, uh, one edge is, I cut off the natural edge so it has a straight, well, not a very straight, but a somewhat straight edge. And then I left the natural side on one side. And I was gonna put that on the outside of the table originally. So it was gonna be these two slabs joined in the middle for a flat, nice big flat table, and then the outside edge was going to have the natural contour of the tree well my carpentry skills being what they are uh, I was not able to do exactly what I wanted to do with that uh, and what I found out is that the tree the wood um, the natural edge was kind of soft on the on the outsides and so I really didn't want that to what's the that's where I'm looking for I was really worried about uh, chairs and things bumping the outside of the table uh, and and uh, you know breaking off those kind of softish porous wood that was on the that natural edge so I put that to the inside which means I have a gap uh, kind of a gaping hole in the middle of the tree and I like it that uh, in the middle of the table. I like it that way because it kind of, you know, kind of makes an interesting table. You can decorate, you know, the middle with certain things and all kinds of cool things you can do there. Um, but, uh, yeah. <clears throat> now, fast forward to yesterday, we've taken the slab off, which is still somewhere around two to 300 kilos, which is, you know, like 600 pounds or something like that. <laughs> 
and we took it off and uh, my friend Horacio uh, came with his uh, little pickup and we put it in the back of the pickup and we uh, Koichi also came and helped so it was four of us with Cam we took it to Cam's uh, shop and he's gonna resurface the whole thing and maybe even do something interesting with the uh, middle uh, middle part so we'll see how that works out but anywho uh, yeah that's what we did yesterday uh, and yeah I'm looking forward to seeing what a what a professional can do to that table I liked how it came out with me but over the years it has moved and twisted a bit and swelled here and there as it acclimated to the uh, climate in my house and so yeah I've I'm letting a professional take a look at it and uh, fix it up in his shop, Santa's workshop. So, anyway, yeah, so that's going to be this weekend's project, besides the puppy um, coming tomorrow. Uh, and, you know, with the COVID um, situation as it is, I have a feeling I'm going to get news today that. Uh, our college classes are going to be online from Monday. That's my expectation. I hope that's not the case. But if it is, it is. So anyway, it looks to be a busy weekend. But this morning I've got this little uh, Christmas concert. So it's going to be fun to go and watch the kids. And I'll uh, play guitar with them and sing a couple songs. And I'll sit down and observe the rest of their concert. They worked hard this year, and the concert's usually in a big hall with all kinds of uh, family and parents. And uh, but this year they've separated it into the one little uh, party for each class on different days, uh, with probably only one family member coming so as to uh, you know cut down cut down on any possible uh, COVID spread just to make it a little bit more reasonable I guess <clears throat> so with things as they seem to be um, in the world with uh, COVID-19 and politically as well and all kinds of other stuff going on maybe hard for you to find some joy this year um, uh, it's a year that people are going to be um, unfortunately testing their faith uh, there will be a few uh, rotten apples shaken from the tree did I just coin a phrase um, you know low, low hanging fruit usually is picked uh, but this is uh, low hanging fruit uh, the other way I guess <laughs> fruit that's been rotting on the vine for some time and it finally drops and rots on the ground you know um, so yeah I'm afraid that's happening to some of you uh it's not surprising when when calamities hit in times of great fear. 
some of us uh, may lash out in anger and want to, to shake the fist at our Creator and ask Him, where is He? Why aren't you doing anything? Why do you allow your children to be submitted to such, to such anguish, right? To such fear, such suffering. Where are you in all this? Um, here in Japan, the despair uh, of the situation is causing you know nurses to quit nursing. what you realize is that a lot of them have been separated from their families for months, right? For months. Because of the fact that they work in hospitals and are exposed daily to the pathogen. Uh, and, you know, one side of you says come on, that's your job, we need you. How could you quit during this, this time of, of greatest need? But at the same time, put yourself in their shoes. They've been in, for the most part, for, for many of them, living hell for the last eight months. <clears throat> what's going to come out of some of this isolation. The horror stories we're going to get. Broken families and despair and, God forbid, suicide. Because of the, the, the way that we're dealing with this disease. And, the, you know, the, of course, the disease itself. Both ways. Now, I'm not advocating for no masks or, um, you know, not taking proper precautions. Uh, I think that would just not be smart. But at some point, we have to realize there, there may be greater, greater principles um, which, which need to be, re you know, thought about. There may be something more important than isolation, or what we're calling social distancing. There may be something more important. That social distancing may cause something more disastrous than the disease itself. Just gonna put that out there. On the other hand, I know there are people out there who are discovering the hero in them, who are selflessly and with great courage going forth and doing wonderful things with people uh, who are in uh, probably having the worst days of their lives. Um, people who, who work in healthcare, for example, people who work in counseling, perhaps, teachers, you know. Uh, who are dealing with uh, all of the students and their fear. Uh, people in law enforcement, and, you know, what have you. Uh, some of these people are uh, now realizing for what purpose they have been brought into the world. 
<clears throat> right? They're finding their calling. They're, they're realizing what they were meant to do. And when you realize what you're meant to do and you are able to do it, um, you finally find satisfaction in your life. Right? You, you find out find out what it you know, what it what it's all been for I kind of felt that way um, for a time uh, it came and went but for a time uh, when the uh, earthquake happened in Japan you know I, I, I realized that you know I was uniquely poised um, and ready to act uh, in that time and of course, there are some that acted faster than me and, and better than me and put in more time. Uh, but that doesn't negate the fact that I felt like I was doing something very meaningful. Uh, and it brought uh, satisfaction, in a sense, to my life. And I didn't do it for the satisfaction. I hope not. Uh, and it did become burdensome at times. Um, and it was hard on my family when I was gone sure uh, but still sometimes you, you you just have a moment you have an epiphany um, that, that this is a defining moment in my life uh, and I am where I'm supposed to be doing what I'm supposed to be doing and there is yeah there is something called satisfaction <clears throat> now how does this all tie in with joy I don't know you tell me um Jesus, you know, you, you would assume that, that God never doubted his own uh, reason. Uh, raison d'être. Raison d'être. I'm not sure how to say that. I think it's raison d'être. But reason, reason for being, right? Uh, just anybody who probably never doubted his reason for being, um, that would be the creator of the universe. <laughs> But that doesn't mean that Jesus, in his own, uh, in his, uh, Jesus, in his self-imposed limit, limit, limited human body, the best way I can say that, perhaps didn't doubt, right, why he was here. Um, and I think we see that in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before uh, he was crucified. <clears throat> you know, Father, take this cup from me. Uh, that should be very sobering for us, you know. Uh, but, but what we what we see at Christmas is the God of the universe stepping in, right? Uh, and and in in the person of this child, in this child's reason of being, is what has brought joy to so many people for thousands of years. Now, if we go back, we remember that the first uh, Advent theme was hope, and and hope has to do with um, people crying out from a broken heart. Uh, and and asking the God of the universe to act on their behalf. 
and they had hoped that he would do that because he had done that before. It's not something that he had not done before. In their history, they believed that, that God had, had inserted himself into the affairs of men uh, and, and changed the course of history for their benefit. <coughs> they also knew that usually, if that were um, necessary, it was their own fault. Their own sin had driven God away from them. And so here they were on their knees, uh, hoping that he would act again. Uh, and, and so hope is not, is not just a, you know, sunshiny, uh, you know, all, all, uh, all, all daisies and, and, and flowers, uh, kind of a emotion. Uh, hope can be quite complex. You know, um, there can be some some re repentance and hope. Uh, there can be some doubt. Of course, there can be some doubt and hope. Um, but despite what we've done wrong, and despite our own weaknesses, our own weakness of mind and heart, we still, um, because of our dire dire circumstances, call out. Right and hope uh, that God will interject Himself into the calamity that is our life or our situation. Uh, and so the people did that, and they did that for 400 years of uh, both exile and um, separation, uh, turmoil, the loss of the line of kings. Uh, occupation um, not to mention all of the individual you know poverty and sickness and whatever else uh, that many of the people were feeling uh, they were they were calling out they were crying out asking that God um, yeah act on their behalf and so through God's love, he heard their calls. He heard their cries. Which is what he does, right? Um, just on a side note, and I, I've been toying around with this for a long time because I've had a doubt that's kind of crept into my life about prayer. Maybe part of it is because I don't really like to pray that much. Um, I'm not good at it. It's not something that comes naturally to me uh, as far as, uh, you know, discipline type of prayer. It's not something that, you know, just, uh, yeah, I don't know how better to say that. Um, it's not one of the spiritual disciplines that I look forward to doing. It's, it's difficult for me to do. It's hard for me to do. And so, maybe because of that, I've doubted about the efficacy of prayer. You know, is it, is it actually um, something worth doing? Is, is there a reason? And, and if God is, is all-knowing and knows what we need already and, and uh, you know, lacks no knowledge, he, he's... He's, he is love personified, 
you know, if that is all the case, what in the world do we need to pray for? You know, he's, he's going to do what he's going to do, right? Maybe, maybe part of it's that I have a little bit of a reformed, reformed theology in my background and, and think that everything's decided anyway. And so prayer is such a silly thing. Well, I don't any longer think that. And part of it's because my theology um, has adjusted to accept that that no matter what God does in the world, uh, He does not unilaterally, but because of His nature, He only and ever partners with other beings in bringing about His goodwill on the earth. So if you ever see God working in the world, just know that behind the scenes, way more work had to be done to bring about that miracle or that thing or whatever that that may be, right? <clears throat> something happened, right? Um, something cosmic uh, and spiritual that has to do with the uh, spiritual powers and beings and uh, and so what, what prayer seems to be, this, this is my best theory up to this point. What prayer seems to be uh, is a weakening force of malevolent spiritual powers. A, a, a kind of weapon. Uh, and I would say not just prayer, but prayer based in faith, right? Faith seems to be that. So when people on earth believe in the love of God, believe in his mercy and his forgiveness, and act accordingly in the, in the, in the world, that faith in action, I think, somehow uh, are, are the, the flaming arrows that is hurled at Satan that I think Paul talks about. Um, I can't tell you the mechanism by which that system operates. I have no idea. You know, how that how that works is a mystery. Um, and, and I guess I should add, if that's how it works, because, uh, you know, this is all very difficult to nail down. But <clears throat> prayer is one of those, is an action, okay? I, I, I used to think prayer was just prayer. But what I think prayer actually is, okay, uh, is when we sacrifice our time and maybe our pride, uh, when we when we place our faith in Jesus, that that He can do and be all that we need Him to do and be in in our world, right? When we when we ask Him, somehow He is more able to get the spiritual principalities and powers that be. Uh, working toward his goal. <clears throat> I wish I had a better metaphor for how that works, but but maybe it's like uh, you know a scale. Maybe it works like a scale where, or maybe it's the straw on the camel's back. You know, uh, I, I don't know, um, but I do believe that prayer helps, and, and I saw a prayer work this week. <laughs> So, 
<clears throat> prayer becomes the fuel by which God's reconciling machine can move, I guess. Not just prayer, but, but you know, faith, right? Hope, hope in Jesus. Um, wow, I totally lost my train of thought. But so, yeah, the, wow, I did lose my train of thought bad, real bad this time. Uh, let's see, so <clears throat> we're talking about How the calling out of the people had had finally given God what he needed to act on our behalf. Finally tipped the scales, right, to the point where he could uh, incarnate himself into a baby and be born as Jesus. Um, and and this, this once recognized brought about mixed feelings. For those who looked for it, who waited for it, who longed for it, who called out for it, they praised God. These are the, uh, well, first of all, the angels in heaven on the night of his birth, right? The shepherds who saw them and went to worship Jesus. Uh, this was, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to say, Simeon and I know it's Anna uh, and Simeon in the, I believe in the temple, who recognized Jesus as the Messiah when he was still a baby and, and praised God for it. I'm sure they had great joy that they had seen um, the delivery of their people, right? It's kind of how they would look at it. Uh, and all, all those who met and believed on Jesus <coughs> had great joy. Now one person who had a, 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 an opposite reaction was Herod, right? Herod was the uh, puppet king of the Roman Empire who was on the throne of Judea at the time, uh, but who had no real right to the throne as far as being from the line of David, right? Uh, and as I said, I think he was raised in Rome somewhat uh, and he was considered to be a, uh, I think, a traitor in a lot of ways. He wasn't the real king. And so when he heard from the, the three wise men, or the magi, that, that the king was born in Judea, that the prophets had told about, of course, he was threatened right away. Um, and, and you know what he did, right? So his, he was um, uh, jealous, uh, he was afraid, all right? He had fear of losing his position, uh, and he lashed out negatively, uh, which is how um, the religious establishment also reacted to Jesus as an adult and later the Roman Empire. <clears throat> they were threatened by him and perhaps jealous of him and they killed him for it. Uh, but that death, of course, is what has brought us this joy, that death and the resurrection and the promise of our own resurrection and the fact of our own resurrection that has already happened in many ways for those of us who believe on Jesus. 
Um, we, uh, yeah, we have great joy of what Jesus has done for us and the fact that he came to the earth. Um, joy is probably something that we don't lean into enough that we could probably um, entertain more. Uh, we need to find more reasons to joy, I think, uh, to be joyful. <clears throat> and there are lots of reasons. Right now, you know, I'm driving, about to drive across a beautiful river, and the sky is blue. There's a mist across the uh, land. Uh, the autumn colors are just popping. There's even a few flowering trees here in Japan. Uh, oh, the Misty Mountains are just beautiful today. Yeah. It's just a really pretty day. And I'm going to be with a bunch of kids who are going to be uh, singing and dancing in front of their parents. And Unfortunately, I think we're about to go into another semi-lockdown and that's going to cause some despair. But somehow, we need to find ways to be hopeful and joyful and really bask in the love of Christ that we still have regardless of, of these things that the world imposes upon us, whether it be, whether it be sickness or social distancing um, or, or you know, shame of one kind or another or, or political uh, you know, infighting and, and arguing. There's a lot that will divide us, but there's really really one thing that will unite us and that's going to be love and we can have joy that that love has been given to us um, I did not sleep very well last night so I don't, I'm, I'm having kind of a little bit of a hard time finding some joy this morning <laughs> but I'm pretty sure it'll come about the time I'm done with this little concert <laughs> alright well uh, we'll talk to you later I've gotten to where I need to be and uh, I'm going to sit in the parking lot, drink some coffee, and get ready for this concert. So we'll uh, talk to you guys later. Bye-bye.